Content warning. This podcast discusses mental illness and suicide. If you are struggling and need support, help is available. Contact Lifeline on 13114 or if it's an emergency, call 000. really wants to be part of the podcast She's tonight. She's discovered her voice. She wants to be the third co-host. And look, you know what? This is history. I'm sorry, I know she's your flesh and blood, but yeah. no. I just don't think she's quite capable of the research yet. I don't know about that. Yeah. And I look, I think she could do a, a good guest stint. Yeah. The mystery of the missing sock that she lost. I don't well, know. the mystery How of the... How many things have I eaten, mum, that you don't know I ate? The that fell. <laughs> yeah. Okay, on that note. Yeah. I still think there might be a ghost in oh the house. Fuck no. I'm already scared because you're surprising me with this episode and I really <laughs> hate surprises. And now you're going to bring up the fucking ghost again. What's the new story? Um, two things happened and I was like, I must remember to tell everyone because I know everyone's deeply invested in this. Yeah. Probably not. But no, they, are, they definitely are. I feel like I've read things about the baby bucket yeah. 40 times in there. <laughs> so I was minding my own business. Mm-hmm. Julian was minding his own business. Rosa was minding her own business. Leroy and Zoe minding their own business. Yeah. We're all in separate situations. Like I was in the lounge room getting things ready. We we're going somewhere. Yeah. Rosa was playing with a toy. Julian was in here. The cats were just sitting there. And suddenly the music no. on our Sonos went Ooh. like deafening. <laughs> like what? It was the Rolling Stones. Yeah. And it just went like, it was like <laughs> no. shaking the windows. It just like suddenly turned up and Julian came like <laughs> running down the hallway. I'm <laughs> like, what's happening? <laughs> and he was looking at his phone. It was all normal on his phone. What? And it just like suddenly cranked up. And I was like, no, it's the ghost. I don't like that because it's always the music. They always fuck with the TV yes. or the sound system. Yeah. And then something else happened I can't remember. So that is an anticlimax. It was another case of like <laughs> something moving or being out of context. Oh, yeah. That koala that Rosa was playing with yeah. lives on top of her bookcase and it was on no, the lounge no, the other day. No, no, Why? And I said, Julian, did you put this here? Because I like rotate her toys so yeah. she doesn't get bored and she's never actually played with that toy. I've just yeah. been hanging on to it. And there it was in the lounge. I thought he might have just grabbed it. And he's like, no, I didn't. <gasps> I'm like, oh, I bet Leroy, because Leroy kind of does hang out up there when he shouldn't. Yeah. And I was like, maybe Leroy grabbed it and like dragged it out. But mm. it's almost as big as Leroy. Yeah. So I'm like, once again, I think it's probably the ghost. Oh my God. The I ghost hate of my that. house. The only theory that I have mm. is, which is also a thing that freaks me out, is you know when you can pair your device with other people's devices accidentally? Oh my god! Like sometimes I think that you can. I've actually never had it happen to me, and I've also else. never heard of anyone. Having it <laughs> but I feel like it's a thing that does happen. So that's what happened with this music. Yeah, like maybe maybe someone was pairing their own Sonos yes. upstairs, and it accidentally paired to yours, and their volume was up. But then that doesn't explain why the Rolling Stones would be playing because they wouldn't be playing that exact yeah, song. Yeah, they wouldn't in that exact time, and they also wouldn't have been able to move the koala. Okay, well. 
they could if they had a key to your place because as don't. we said you don't have changed locks i think i might change the locks. <laughs> yeah, just do it yourself i'm freaking out um welcome to the zest is history yes guys everyone if you didn't know what the fuck you just tuned into ghost hour ghost, mediocre ghost hour mediocre like ghost. doing things scary just mildly alarming yeah. slash helpful because she loves that koala yeah. so thanks helpful ghost helpful ghost the helpful ghost of josie's like house bored ghost like maybe 20 part series yeah <laughs> so welcome to the ride that is my haunted house join the facebook group mm-hmm. we'll just run through our please shall we join the oh, facebook yes. group please join the facebook group the zest is history on facebook just search it you'll find us um I'm still on my mission to <laughs> convert everybody yeah. <laughs> that used to like all Aussie Mystery Hour. So if you've gotten a DM, hi, yeah, it's me. It's Mel. The creep in your inbox. She's um, um, grassroots marketing. Tell yeah. all your friends. Do that thing of like when people ask for podcast recommendations mm. in a Facebook group, drop our name in there. Yes. We'll be forever grateful. Do that. Uh, what else? Our Instagram, The Zest is History, mm-hmm. where we – photos from the episodes the photos of our drink pairings i'm not yes. going to say wine pairings because last episode yeah. Mel made a zesty little cocktail which p.s was delicious i made for myself the next night watching yeah. batchy yeah got so pissed <laughs> and i was messaging josie and i'm like i'm so pissed i've been on the mercedes corby cocktails yeah I had two and I am tanked. Yeah. I have no idea what I'm writing. And I was also tanked. Yeah. I was finishing the Hidden Sea yeah. wine from the Lonigans. <laughs> I was like home alone and just feeling like Julian's at the pub, so I'm going to drink. And it was like a random night, like yeah. a Wednesday. Yeah. And I was just like cracked it open. And then he, he said something like, I might get some rosé from the fridge. I'm like, no, that's gone. Yeah. <laughs> that's not there anymore. He's like, oh. There was a mild amount of judgment yeah. in his voice. What else? The Patreon? Oh, yes. The Patreon.com slash The Zest oh, yep. History. That you was a can better. Support, <laughs> support us if you want. Yep. If you're able, you don't yep. have to. You don't have to. But if you do, there are benefits. Mm-hmm. You can get early access to episodes. Yeah. You get video content on some tiers. You get a Zoom chat that we're going to do this month. Yes. Um, You can get. Rosa crying in the background. Yeah, she's really going for it out there. <laughs> Clearly, she's you. not enjoying dinner. I think that's what they're up it's to. It's because I left. She was yeah, having a great she was time. in a bad mood, and then Mel arrived, <laughs> and she was in a great mood, and now Mel's in here with me, and she's crying. <laughs> I'm not going to take it personally. Um, she likes you better than both of her parents. What else do you get? Um, I don't know shit. You just get some cool shit. Cool Sometimes shit. we do like random mini episodes. There you go, that as that well. That are just like about <laughs> cheese. We need to do another one of those. We do. Dips, I think we're going to do next. Dips. Yeah. We could actually do that after this too. We could. Although I think this is going to be long because oh, it's yeah, 14 okay. pages. Let's see how we go. Oh, my God. Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and what else? Our P.O. box. Yes. Because we uh, also do videos of us opening mail. PO Box. Uh, 453. Is it? Yep. Okay. Great. Rose Bay. I haven't checked it for a while. We'll go New check South it. Wales 2029. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of our lovely Zesty fans, Sarah, who's from America, keeps asking if her mum is amazing at crochet. Mm. How do you say it? Crochet. And she made a little hat for Rosa. And she's like, um, has the package arrived yet? And I'm like, look, probably, but <laughs> we haven't checked. I know. It. <laughs> like, haven't checked it in a few weeks, mate. But we'll so get we'll there. check it, and we're going to make another unboxing video for the yes. Patreon. I will check it this week. I promise. Um, what else? 
Well, I was going to talk to you about some podcasts. Oh. And you were going to talk to me about... Are you listening to the one? Night Driver. Yeah. No. Oh. No, I haven't listened to anything. I just ha- I just saw a cool one. Okay. <laughs> I decided it's good based on nothing. Um, no, I was going to tell you about background briefing, which I oh, yes. I talked about. This. No, you ha- you haven't okay. done it. So when I was on my trip, mm. my little trip out to Broken Hill, Not this is the, the only trip. time I ever yeah. no, just our trip. It's the only time I ever listen to podcasts is yeah. driving, and I got really into background briefing, which is an ABC podcast, and it's like each episode is a, it's kind of like a little its own little like it's amazing like the person who does it the producer spends ages mm. like researching this one topic really and it's like this whole Not thing like into like 40 minutes whereas for us 40 minutes it's <laughs> just like talking shit about joshua jackson and then like talking shit about like fucking god knows what and then blathering on 20 and minutes of story yeah <laughs> and then but anyway so these are like highly researched but fucking for now Fucking fascinating. <laughs> fucking fascinating, guys. Fantastic and fascinating mixed fascinating. together. Fascinating. <laughs> um, there was like one that was like about babies that were being like this is so bleak, but stillborn babies in the country. But then mm. they kind of like it's like they pull a thread basically mm. and see what comes out. And basically it turned into this massive like issue with regional hospitals yes. and yep. one woman that had to like basically her baby stopped moving and mm. she was freaking out mm. about it and the doctor's like it's probably fine and then mm. it still wasn't moving and she just knew something was wrong yeah. and they made her drive oh, an hour God. and a half on her own yeah. to see the like man that does things with babies <laughs> the one I don't man. know yeah. <laughs> I don't have a baby and I don't know probably that and then like it was just crazy what she had to do just to get confirmation and then in the end she had a stillborn oh. birth and it was just horrendous but that's just like one of many they're all different types of topics but the one i was going to talk to you about because you fucking love a disease oh i do um, apart from covid 19 well, i don't love apart, that at all that's the boring one but the the, the cool diseases <laughs> cool ones <laughs> rabies so there's a whole Play. radio national has a new show called patient zero oh and every episode is a different See, I saw that and I just fucking assumed it was COVID-19. Okay, listen to this one. Boring. Episode one, disease is spreading in the wake of a natural disaster on the Caribbean nation of Haiti. And everyone thinks they know where they're coming from. Spoiler, they don't. (laughs) Isn't it so like zesty for ABC? Spoiler, they don't. Um, Then they've got something about like a basement file something. Oh, Fuck, I don't I'm fucking excited December about transplant. This. Three transplant patients die within a week of each other and alarm bells start ringing. Oh, this is like, like into some it. like house. Remember that show? Yes. Stale show. Yes. That's a great show. Great show. Is it lupus? Remember that was a running joke? Yep. And then like eventually it was. One patient yeah. did actually have lupus. Um, <laughs> did you notice my nails? Oh my God. Mel gave me some nail polish. And Is last that the Gucci? Night, it's actually not because I, oh. <laughs> I needed just a quick... Quick and fast and just yep. get it done. Rosa was asleep and I just quickly did it. Look yeah. how nice it looks. They look amazing. I thought it was the Gucci because no, it's so shiny. Because it's, um, it's purple. Oh, yeah. Like if you really black, yeah, go yeah. close. But anyway, thank you. I love. Um, I wanted to talk about the night driver. Yeah, tell me stuff because I haven't li- listened, but I should listen. Just well, because I didn't today. listen to Teacher's Pet. So I have no, I don't know why. And yeah. I actually, I was thinking this the other day because I'm like, well, now I can't because it doesn't exist. I think it's back. Is it? Yeah, I think so because I think the case is, I saw it the other day in there. Oh, fuck. I feel yes. like it's back, but yes. 
Well, yeah, I was walking along really enjoying the night driver and thinking, well, fuck, now I can't listen to the other one, which I'm sure I'd yeah, like. Yeah, back. Yes. You're back, bitch. Okay, I'm excited. I've got so much to listen to now. Oh, you do? Because I've been going on nice, now the weather's nicer, going on nice long walks with Rosa and I listen to podcasts then, like the scary ones because mm. it's like broad daylight. Yeah. I don't get scared. Anyway, Night Driver is really good. I'm really enjoying it. Mm. It's one of those ones where they interview the just like a salt of the earth family member mm. that's just bringing up kids and has a day job but also like all her spare time is going into solving who killed her sister well they think killed like yeah. they never just never saw her again yeah but there's also like infuriating summerton man style oh we lost something oh, completely god. and it's just like oh my god get it together police mm. like small town police but seriously get it together but seriously get it together because like how often do terrible things happen in Bathurst? well actually a few terrible things have happened which he goes into mm. But it's like, just keep the damn thing yeah. that could be important. So it's like you kind of yell at your phone or whatever you're listening on. But I'm really enjoying it. I keep looking at my phone to see if there's another episode. I know I'll get the notification, but yeah. I'm like dying for more. But it's going up first on their like paid app. Uh, they're doing that. that. And I get it. Fine. I guess you created the content. It's yeah. fine. But I love like- our we're <laughs> about that and we put our episodes up 24 hours earlier on Patreon. <laughs> True, true. But it's more annoying because it's like you're the Australian. You have so much money. Let us listen to it for free. Yeah. Even though the way you have money is by us paying you. (laughs) I don't care. (laughs) This is how you don't have ads, but it's still annoying. Oh, God. Anyway, that's really good. I've been watching this great show called The X-Files. Oh, my. Still going. I didn't know that that show existed. (laughs) What's that show, Josie? (laughs) I'm still going, but I watched two things. Yeah to do with my episode so i actually dragged myself away from Mulder and his dreamy 90s hair yeah to look at more things things that are semi related to that yep is this your segue for my episode well i'm going to tell you about the wine <laughs> okay tell me about can the wine. i start yeah do you have anything else to no, say that's it so i like you struggled mm-hmm. and i just thought there would be a really obvious thing yep. there wasn't and so I'm just like lying here, Googling. And you need it. Like Josie has been the absolute <laughs> best with this. In her true Hermione Granger way, yeah. has to get the perfect match. Whereas I'm just, in true Mel ways, just chaotically picking things from various regions that are nearby. But it couldn't even be a region. You'll see why oh. when I do it. Well, this is actually a region. Okay. But like for the, the person that it is and the thing that happened, there was no region. Okay. So I was like, there's other like threads here couldn't make anything match julian i was like i'm going to bed i'm tired and like an hour later julian came in i was like furiously googling he's like what are you doing i'm trying to find a match i found a match i found something and i went down this weird rabbit hole i'm scared but i've got like i actually said to him he should come in and pronounce it in his french oh yes that would have been fun because i can't do it but he's dealing with that screaming baby so it's a i can't even say what the wine's called corail Corral, it's a rosé, but the important bit is it's from Chateau de Roquefort, uh-huh. which is where Michael Hutchins had a house. Shut up! <laughs> Shut up! Oh my god! 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 <sighs> yes, oh my I'm god. doing Michael Hutchins. What I was just like, story. I was like, for fuck's sake! I'm like, there's got to be a wine named after an NXS song. 
Nothing. Yeah, no, you would think no that someone. No mystify, no original sin. Why no wouldn't you call a wine inside. original sin? That is the perfect it's, name for a I'm wine. I'm actually, I've decided I'm going to open a winery and they're all going to be named after. There's so many options. Hello. Um, you just open it. Never tear us apart. And Ooh. then he says wine from your tears. Oh, my God. So I was going on all these tangents. But just, that's, that's upsetting to me that I actually no one... found out a cool like side story to do with wine and rosé and France that I'll tell in the middle. I don't want to like jump ahead because yeah. it involves someone else. Okay. But oh I actually God, found so a cute little story Ooh. that goes with this. And then I found this on Dan Murphy's website and had to order it because they don't even sell it that in the shop. That is genius. <laughs> that's like a genius pairing though. Um, now that the stakes are so high for pairings now. Oh. But then now I'm worried that when I just do like South Australia, it's based in South Australia. So yeah. I'll do South Australia. It will seem boring. No, no, we can't. We cannot always keep up this level, no. this caliber. It's just fun. I have fun with it. I have nothing else to do except That's look a, at That Rosa. is a real <laughs> rabbit hole pick yes, right there. It is. And it's really fucking nice. I'm going to have a big swing. It is. It's actually so nice. Oh, let me guess the notes mm. for you. Oh, the notes are so good. Mm. It's like strawberries and cream. It feels like strawberries and cream to me. I don't think it actually says. Because it's French? It has English on it. <laughs> but it's just like a bit of a wank. Sorry, Tim Tim Johnson, who wrote it. Oh. It's just like blah, 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 blah. These are wines of character. Representing well, there's honestly no notes at all. the merits of the t- terroir and climate of Provence. However... He's just going on and on. There's no notes. So we're going to say there's notes of... Strawberries and cream. Strawberries and cream. You know, there was also... um, You know how you have lemon, lime and bitters? Yeah. There was a bitters called Bitter Tears, which is one of their great songs. Sold out. I was like... Oh, fuck off. You could have made me a lemon, lime and bitters. No, I thought that would have been really fun, but it was sold out. But non-alcoholic, so less fun. Yeah. Anyway, credits. I've got a few. I'm so excited about this. I've got a few. The Guardian by Jenny Valentish, Mamma Mia by Ali Moore, The Independent by Robert Milliken, ABC's PM program reported by Mark Tamhain, the official website of Michael Hutchins, which I believe his dad curated. Oh. So, it's, you know, also, it's this like makes legit. so much more sense why you were watching documentaries on the topic. I was like, yeah, that seems like way too deep. Yes. But this is just what you like to do in your spare time. Well, anyway. I do. And I rewatched, and here's a good credit Channel 7's Telly Movie. Oh, fuck off. I love that Never Tear Us Apart. I love that so movie. fucking okay. good. Can we just it's talk legit. about yeah. um, it? Needs a Samantha fucking what's her face? Jade. She is so She's good, really as good as Kylie Minogue. She's so good as Kylie. I told our friend Maddie she, that oh. we were doing it because he loves In Excess. Yeah. And he was like, oh, I remember the movie. The movie's on stand, so you can yeah. go watch it on stand. And he goes, I remember Sammy Jade. I feel like she peaked. That was her peak. <laughs> and it's, it's like she deserves better, to be honest. Yeah. She deserves more credit for how good she was yeah. as Kylie. Um, it's actually so good. Mm. Having now watched – because I watched it when I was on TV. Mm. But having now watched um, – what's it called? Bohemian Rhapsody. Mm. Rocket Man's probably better, but I think it's better than Bohemian Rhapsody. I oh, think I it's agree. So good. The what about the bit where they're brilliant. doing the, the song? Which one? In the room. But yeah, that's really descriptive. Now. Never tear us apart. No. No. The fun one that I love. The fun one. The song in the room. There's so many songs <laughs> in sorry. rooms. And there's so room. many fun songs. And one of the people was doing a thing on the little majiggy. Dun, 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 
Maybe. I think maybe that was the one. How's my description of this? <laughs> the, the majiggy. What majiggy? Which one? I don't um, want to say it was the bass. I want to say it was on a guitar. I think that's the what the song. That's the I think scene was, I'm talking about. I think it's that one. I think it's uh, Andrew Farris going mm-hmm. and he gets in the car and then he gets back out of the car. I he don't goes, know. Then he stops and then he's like, dun. and then he gets in a cab and then he says to the cab driver, hang on a sec and runs back inside and then he goes, dun, 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 dun. yes, <laughs> and he gets yes. the tune and then he comes back and the meter says $62. Yes. And then he goes over to Hong Kong to see Michael yeah. and they write the, he writes the lyrics. Yeah. And that's how, what's that song called? <laughs> Need You Tonight. <laughs> Need You Tonight. <laughs> what is that song called? That's <laughs> so I've been listening in excess for like the whole week. Yeah. Rosa loves them. Oh it's my like God. This weird, I put it on the morning and she starts grooving. I've got videos and I couldn't share them because I didn't yep. want you to yeah. suss out what I was doing. <laughs> I can share them now. I'll put one in the group. She's like <laughs> grooving oh, to that song. Rosa. Just like. <laughs> just having a boogie. Um, and Mystify, the documentary, mm-hmm. by, directed by Richard Lowenstein, which I watched on Amazon Prime. I had to pay $3 for it. Oh. But I tell you, it's worth it. It's really good. Yeah. It's not. It's got heaps of people talking about him, some of who have never talked about him before, like yep. Helena Christensen. And it, it's not like one of those things where it's interviewed and it's like her sitting on a chair. Yeah. It's all just voiceover and it's put with old footage and photos and I like home movie shit. stuff. I thought you were going to say with recreations and I was like, no, 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 no. 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 <laughs> but yes, with old footage is great. Yeah, it's really good. So highly recommend both of I those. I have the book at home that I was sent. Mm. But it's not. I don't know who wrote it. Someone There's a wrote few. It. I think it's his a, the newest sister one. wrote one. Yes, yeah, that's the his one. sister wrote two. Actually, she co-wrote one with the mum. Okay. Then the mum passed away, and she wrote another one because there was stuff that her mum didn't want discussed. I think that's the one yeah. I've got. I haven't read it yet, but I have it to read. Great, great, cool story, Mel. <laughs> Love that. Okay, go. Okay, Michael Hutchins. Yep. Was born on January twenty second. Mm-hmm. Roses the twenty third. Wow, that's why she loves it. Uh, 1960, though, mm-hmm. not 2020, in Sydney. His dad, Kel, was a businessman. His mother, Patricia, was a former model turned makeup artist. So they were quite glamorous. Mm-hmm. They were like kind of the couple about town. Yeah. She had a daughter, Tina, from a previous marriage who was 11 when Michael was born. Mm-hmm. And shortly after, the family moved to Brisbane and Michael's younger brother, Rhett, was born. He's been in the media a fair bit talking about Michael. The family moved around a lot because of Kel's business interests. Mm-hmm. When Michael was five, they relocated to Hong Kong because Kel, how's this? He worked for a company that imported beef from Australia and wine and spirits from France. Oh, my like, imagine God. all the steak. They would have like had just they would have read some artery problems. Yeah, <laughs> some real artery problems. Apparently, some real he did all the sweat. all the moet. Like he was in charge of that. Oh, so they always had champagne It's flowing. like champagne and steak every night. <laughs> yeah. Like what is that like? <laughs> so he went to school there and I'm guessing it's one of those expat schools with other English speaking mm-hmm. kids. His, he is described on his official website as being a quote, very happy child with a big smile for everyone. Aww. He just seems so excited to be alive. And I think he's just one of those people who was blessed because we know he grew up to be a knockout. Yeah. But he was also super talented at heaps of things. Like he was yeah. good at sport and writing poetry, which I'm like, <laughs> no one is ever good at those no, two things. No, you're either the poetry nerd you or you're the sport jock. You like, cannot be both. No one's ever been good at those two you're things. Allowed. Apart from Michael Hutchins. So he was writing lots of poetry as a kid. He showed a talent for singing. His first ever recording, actually, 
was for a local toy manufacturer in Hong Kong. He had to sing a Christmas carol and it got put in with the toy, like you could play it. Oh my god! So there's like a toy <laughs> That's in there like with somewhere with his voice. earliest recording when he was seven. So when he was twelve, they moved back to Sydney to the Northern Beaches, mm-hmm. and it was a huge culture shock for Michael. Yeah, he got teased a lot. He went to Davidson High School. I don't never heard of it, but I'm sure Neither. someone went there that listens. So he had this slight British accent from being at the expat school. Yeah, that, he wrote poetry. Accent. Yeah. So you know all those surfer boys in yeah, the Northern Beaches. I would have probably been like, you him. fucking poofed or whatever. <laughs> and teased him. And there's a scene in the telly movie where he's getting bullied and another kid sticks up for him and that kid is Andrew Farris. He ah, comes into play a bit later. Okay. So then when Michael's fifteen he moved again. His parents split up and there's this weird thing in the doco where his mum takes him to LA, yeah, but like doesn't take the little brother. Oh. And it was like Michael knew that they were going, but it was this big secret. What? And Rhett is talking in the doco and he says they got home from school and there were all these suitcases. Yeah. And then she's like, come on, Michael, we're going. What? And sent Rhett to live with the dad. And because Rhett was really the opposite of the happy Michael child. Mm. Like he was an angry little baby and... And they didn't have a great marriage. So I think it was probably a reflection yeah. of that, to be yeah. honest. And she just like gave him to the dad oh who didn't what? know what he was doing and just got like nannies in to care for him. Oh, no, Rhett. Yeah. And like one of them OD'd. One of them gave him weed when he was what? like 13. It wasn't good. Okay, great. So he has a horrible life. Meanwhile, Michael goes yes. and lives it up in LA. Yeah. And Tina is kind of spelling it out. Michael's the golden boy. He's this sweet little kid. Mm. Rhett's like the black sheep. And so Michael like apparently never forgave himself for that move and keeping it secret because eventually Rhett had a heroin problem. Like he started using heroin when he was 16 and like oh had a really rough time. And Michael always had a lot of guilt oh, for that no. little trip. But in LA he really thrived because obviously they embrace, embrace creatives. He was at like Hollywood High or something. Yes, he would have been fine there with his international his curly accent. His hair and his international accent. He's writing poetry and he wrote a lot there because it wasn't he wasn't punched yeah. for doing it. But they came back a year and a half later and he reunited with Andrew Farris, his old schoolmate. So Andrew and his two brothers, he has an older brother, Tim, and younger brother, John. They were real like musical prodigies mm. playing instruments since they could walk. Their dad, Dennis, recalls in the doco that Michael came over a lot because he wasn't super happy at home. Mm. And he'd try every instrument, like determined to play something, but he yeah. just couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> he just sucked. <laughs> Dennis is like, it was evident he was never going to play an instrument. <laughs> he just God sucked. love him. <laughs> so like the only thing you could do for the band, that, yeah. sorry, Andrew created a band called Dr. Dolphin. Yeah. With amongst Gosh, that others. is the worst name. Yeah, I mean, when you're, what, 15, I 16. Know. There was a guy called Gary, Gary Beers, mm-hmm. which segue, side note, about his name. Gary Beers. So his, his name's Gary, Gary Beers. What, like Gary, Gary twice. Gary Beers. <laughs> so it's like Gary and then it's in inverted commas, Gary with one R, Beers. The fuck? Yeah, that's like what he's known as. Like why? It's his official name. How I is that a nickname? It. That's not real. I was that's like, not a real nickname. But it. Just someone just spelt it wrong, and then he just got called Gary Gary Beers for the rest of his. I mean, it's kind of days. Hilarious. But do you think people? <laughs> so he's Hugh would... Sheridan in the in the telly movie. Oh, okay, yeah. But do you think that he would always like <laughs> people would call him his full name like that, like Gary yeah. Gary Beers? Like we're yes. going out with Gary Gary Beers. I think and so. Tonight. I think that's what it was, and that's just what he's known as Gary just, Gary Beers. I love the name Gary, so I'm like, yeah, more Gary's are, the more Gary's yeah. the better. Um. And then Andrew's brother, Tim, was playing in another band with one of his friends, Kirk Pengilly. 
Mm-hmm. So Michael had all that poetry and he shared it with Andrew, who was really talented at songwriting, like the actual music. So Michael was writing lyrics and doing the vocals while Andrew wrote the music. Michael, Andrew and Gary, Gary Beers. Gary, Gary Beers. Eventually joined <laughs> forces with Tim Farris and Kirk Pengilly, like just shafting all the other people. They're <laughs> in know, their crappy like, little band. Actually had their like, names written down and then I was like, this is extra information we don't need. Bye. I was like, it's like in like Destiny's Child, how there were those two other people yeah. that just like no one, Latoya and something. Latoya was one of them. Yeah. But it's just so funny that like they were there and they're literally there in like say my name and stuff. I know like the big hits like, and everyone and then they just like, slowly disappear yeah. around Survivor. Yeah. <laughs> just not there And anymore. it's just like the power trio. It was actually I was a huge Destiny's Child fan as everyone was in the noughties and I remember my mom going well you know it must be Beyonce and I was like what? Mm. Like I hadn't even discussed it and I think I was talking to Al about it like yeah. well who is that person and why is this person here now? And mum's like, it, she's the common denominator. It must be her. And they're all leaving because they don't like her. Oh. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, I mean, wasn't it run by her dad? Yeah. So yeah. I think it probably was yeah. the combination of those two. Plus Kelly Rowland's her cousin. So she oh. couldn't leave. <laughs> of course. So, and then we all know that Michelle was the sad oh, sort of extra She was person. just sad and just Poor Michelle. Anyway. She was so, the Gary, Gary beard. <laughs> she was the Gary, Gary beard. <laughs> of the situation. <laughs> so... They also roped in John Farris, the little brother, to play the drums. What happened to the other Farris brother? He's in it too. Okay. Tim Farris, Kirk Van Gilly. Well, who's, and John who Farris. disappeared? Some people. Just some random people I didn't even bother naming. And they're probably listening you know to this, that like, they're shaking like shaking their fist at the sky. You know that they're like, oh, I was in. Oh, they are the guy. A band with Kirk Van Gilly. They're in Broken Hill Pub. <laughs> yeah. And they are saying to every person that walks in, well, you know, oh, you know that song, you know that band in excess. Yeah. I was in that. Yeah. I was in that band. Do you know one of Julian's friends, his dad was in Cold Chisel <laughs> and left and then they got really big. Fuck off. Yeah. Okay, firstly, don't just drop in <laughs> one of Julian's friend's dads is in Cold Chisel because was you know I'm going to get excited. You know <laughs> I'm going to get excited. But secondly, you, how do you live with that? I know. How do you live yeah. with that? I don't know. That's like, yeah, no. You'd really be thinking about it a lot. Okay, so we've got Gary Gary Beers and a bunch of people. Yep. And they formed a band called the Farris Brothers. Okay, well, there's too many brothers <laughs> in this. <laughs> <laughs> so there's catchy, guys. the Farris Brothers and then three other people. It's a, it's a shame that most of the brothers are going to disappear soon. No, they're not. Don't they? No. I literally don't know who's in an excess. This is it. This is the line. <laughs> this is the line. There's up. so many people. <laughs> there's, six. there's like six, what? Yeah. six people. So yeah. There's like three. I could run through their instruments. Yeah, if what, that helps. What instruments are they playing? Um, I didn't actually write this down. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, so Michael Hutchins is the is singer. singer. John Farris is the drummer. I'm okay. actually going on Wikipedia because I'm like, I don't remember. Because there's like, you know, lead guitar, rhythm guitar, all that what? shit. Okay. The bass is played by, of course, Gary, Gary Beers. Oh, he was never going to play anything of but course. the bass. <laughs> Andrew Farris, keyboards. Okay. Tim Farris, guitar. And then more guitars and saxophone, Kirk Pengilly. Saxophone. Yeah. Okay. More bands need saxophone. Oh, absolutely. I've been listening to a lot of Van In Morrison excess, lately. Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. Van Morrison. Van Morrison. Simply Red. Simply Red. Some of those um, George Michael songs. Oh, yeah. In the, back in the day. Yep. You Careless must whisper. have a saxophone. I just think it really improves any song that's yep. on. 
it just elevates and it. And it disappeared somewhere in the 90s somewhere. And I just think it's very upsetting it to me. It needs to come back. Bring it back, someone that's listening that has a band. Just get your saxophone in there. When we were listening to one of the saxophone songs and I said to Rose, are you going to grow up and play the saxophone? And Julian got like an eye twitch because his sister played the saxophone growing up and I don't think she did it very well. He's like, I don't think I can listen to more like out of tune saxophone. (laughs) I'm like, I'll support you, Rosa. Even if you're not Lisa Simpson levels of talent. Yeah, okay. Uh they had their first gig mm-hmm. at Whale Beach in Sydney on the 16th of August, 1977. And then all the Farris family moved to Perth. Oh, So when the telly okay? movie, it like opens with them <laughs> being in Perth. So the others drove over there to join them. To Perth? Yeah. Just drove to Perth. Yeah, just they a, drove just there. A casual, and then they just drive. all lived in Perth what? for like a year. Okay, guys, this is not where you start your career, but yeah. okay. And that, well, that in the... At the start of the telly movie, it's this whole thing. We've got to go to Sydney, but John Farris is still in school. I remember that actually. He's so young, That's right? I and they're like, that. "Please, mum, please," and she's like, "All right." Um, so then they come back to Sydney. They mainly play in pubs as a support band to Midnight Oil. Oh, fuck off! Yeah, imagine amazing. those fucking gigs. Oh my! Okay, Dad definitely went to those gigs, <sighs> which obviously wait. So Bill Mason is going to come on. He's he's very nervous about his cameo. Is he? He's so stressed. He he had to run it through with me. <laughs> oh my god! To stop. make sure that he wouldn't be up like fuck it up. And, and then like, I was like, can't I can't fuck come it up anymore. And he said one mattress. thing that I'm not going to tell you because okay. you're going to scream. Okay. And it was he literally said it so casually, and me and Kate were like, "Are you fucking for real?" Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> and we were like. Oh, my God. So I was like, you're fine. He just thinks it's boring, yeah. but it's actually fascinating. It's not. But he oh, went to those gigs. That's a good segue. We're, that's for Spinners a Yarn, yes, which is our mini is. episode. So if you have a zesty story mm-hmm. that just has to do with a moment in time, it's mm-hmm. very loose. It's so loose. Email us, thezestishistory at gmail.com with a like nice retelling of your story and we'll read it out. Yes. If it's good. If it's not, we'll just pretend we didn't read it. Yeah. Unread. Unread. <laughs> Mine's <is> unread. <laughs> no. no, if it's not good, we'll tell you. We'll tell you. We'll give you some edits since we're yeah, journalists. We'll give you some edits. Everyone gets through. Come you back get to it. us. You get an episode. You get an episode. It's got to be kind of like longish enough. That, that's mainly yeah. the thing. If you don't get on, it's only because you didn't tell us enough if details. It's just, and it oy, my dad was in excess in that band with them at school sick eh that's not enough it has to <laughs> Just be some details. details some like anecdotes about michael hutchins whatever yeah. yeah some details please yeah. please but yes he used to go to all those gigs he he always goes on about selena's <sighs> oh yeah damn could you yeah and yeah. also um what's the other one the the rat house oh that sounds don't know what clean. that is um and there was another one as well bondi lifesavers which may also be the rat house they oh, may yeah. be the same thing Maybe it was a nickname because like rats live there. Anyway, he has a whole book that he brought out to try and show me and I was like, I don't mm, think we cute. need to. He might like this episode. He will love this episode. He'll probably, it's the only one he'll ever listen to. He might to, have probably. notes for me. He I probably will. Research it extensively, <laughs> but he might have a few edits for me. They shared a manager called mm-hmm. Gary Morris. There's literally oh, three how Garys many in this people story. are called Gary in this story? <laughs> it's the 70s in Australia. <laughs> There's so many Garys. Bring back the name Gary. I like floated it for the baby. Can you? Gary. The next one. And he said, Julian said no. Well, can you just say, sorry, I pushed this yeah. out. So I actually get I say. get to fucking say what <laughs> the name is. Gary. And it's called fucking Gary. 
Gary, it's, it's called Gary Gary Beers. Gary 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 Beers Piazza. Thank you. So he, Gary Morris, is the one that convinced them that. Okay, Rosa. Rosa's loving yeah, this episode. I have like, to say, this is I knew none of this. She knows it all because she watched mm-hmm. the doco with me. He convinced them that the Farris brothers was a terrible name. Great, good one, Gary. Good he one. suggested in excess. He came up with it after being inspired by the British band XTC. I mean, would we say in excess is a good name? Would we say it is? Like we love it, but yeah, it's like it's not great. If someone said to me. Hey, yeah. we're going to name this podcast in, <laughs> in excess, <laughs> but we're not going to spell it like it's gonna in be the excess. It's like the fucking letters Well, because in the Tilly movie, they're like, huh? Like they don't, when he, he writes it down and he shows it to them on like a napkin and yeah. they're like, I-N-X-S, what? He's like, no, it's in excess. So he's inspired by XTC yep. and the jam brand IXL. Oh, good Lord. Gary, yeah. were you smoking some interesting stuff? Well, then his next idea was that they just... Oh, we've we've gone from having heaps of fun to yeah, it's not good. Well, now. because she heard that in she knows that in excess is a terrible it's name. A terrible name. She's very upset. Oh well, he suggested they rebrand as a Christian band. Oh my god! Which they briefly considered. Oh my god! Is anyone Christian in this band? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> and then they just fucked him off and found themselves a new manager, Chris Great. Murphy. Well, at least Gary got rid of. Yeah. The whatever brothers. Farris brothers. The Farris, I was going to no. say the Farrelly brothers, which yeah. is not what they no. were. So Chris Murphy was actually a talent booker, but they like, I think he was very good at being a talent booker. Mm. And they basically were like, please, please be our manager. And he's like, fellas, it's the guy in the telly movie. He's the guy that played um, Marilyn Manson, <laughs> Charles Manson in those two movies last year. Yeah. You know, the like Australian guy. Yeah. yeah. Damon Harriman. Mm-hmm. He's really good in it. Anyway, he's like, if you want to, I'll do it, but I'm going to like work you to the bone basically. Yeah. He made them tour heaps. Mm. It was like six shows a week, sometimes yes. two a day. Yeah, they used to like do heaps of tours. Just constantly like city to city, up and down the coast. Get it. He just wanted them in people's faces. Yeah. The stat I think is that they played 300 shows in 1981. Fuck, that's like one a day yeah. basically. <laughs> it was like insane. And they somehow found time to write and record music. Like while they were doing it, this relentless touring. Yeah. So they released three albums in three years, 1980, 1981 and 1982. Wow. The second one hit number 15 on the charts and the third one hit number five. So it was clearly working this yeah. whole, we're at it's every It's such pub. a 70s energy, hey. Like I feel like yeah. all the bands just were constantly doing things. Just, just busy. Like really just always work at Selena's. Ethic. Just yeah. constantly at Selena's. Up and down. They had like Gary's <laughs> van and they were just like. Well, now Julian's impersonating Rosa. <laughs> oh, well, it's just a bit of zesty background. It it's, it's what you came here for. So Andrew Farris recalls that Michael couldn't actually sing that well when they first started. Really? But because of all of this touring experience. Yeah. And because he was a bit shy as well. Yeah. Which you wouldn't think. No. But because they toured so much, he really started sing really well and come out of his shell and become like this magnetic presence and that's wow. what he was really known for he was very sexual on stage yeah. like he had Mick Jaggerish type moves yeah but like sexier yeah and in the telly movie it's like he sees this woman in the crowd and he starts doing it for her and then they're like oh what was that Michael and he's like oh I just saw this beautiful girl and I just did it for her so yeah. i think that's how he did it each night like he'd oh focus my on god i need to watch this again it was for them and that's how they introduce in the movie michelle bennett who michael met in melbourne 
So she's this gorgeous woman. She's got long, dark, curly hair, big smile. And he convinced her to – she was at uni. Mm. He convinced her to drive up to Sydney with him in this, like, beat-up old car he just bought. He had no rego. He had no license. Wow. <laughs> to move to a share house in Paddington. What? And she did it. She did it. And she was his first serious girlfriend. They were together for five years. Oh, my God. I mean – like, yeah, what a vibe. I know. Imagine she if just, she didn't do it. She didn't it. find out about the license, I think, for like a few weeks. <laughs> she <laughs> thought he had a license, but he didn't. They were together in 1982 to 1987. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately for her, their relationship coincided with Chris Murphy's big plan to take over the US. Mm. So he was like, he had the really good brain for like the just onslaught. It was like this calculated onslaught. Yeah. I want him to manage us. I just want him to like manage <laughs> Where my life. Like, Where is he, dude? I wonder manage if he's my alive. Because he'd be older than them. He'd probably be like super old like and like 80. has no idea what we're talking about anymore. And he's like, he's like, what's a podcast? He's like, leave me alone. He's like, what, what are you doing? <laughs> um, so I think Michelle did come for a few of the tours, but she says in the doco, she just hated that life mm. and it became really hard to keep things going because he'd come home and then he'd leave. And yeah. So Michael broke up with her, but he kept in contact with her and they stayed really good friends. And it's this running joke in the telly movie. They're like, how do you make them still like you yeah. <laughs> after you break their hearts? So they were friends forever. Meanwhile, the band was getting bigger and bigger. Their 1984 album, The Swing, which had original sin on it. Yeah. Went number one in Australia. The next album, Listen Like Thieves, went boon tour as well. What You Need mm. uh, went top five in the US. Oh, so wow. they would just go over and support other bands and just play like yep. everywhere. They didn't care who they were supporting. It was just like we're in people's faces. And to go top five in the US is yeah, massive, massive for a little Aussie band. But Chris Murphy wanted more. He really pushed them hard. They work like dogs for him like <laughs> they were just it's crazy it's like, you just think oh rock stars they just kind of like fall into it and yeah. it's just like no they worked so hard like yeah. they didn't have a break and he pointed out that all of their best received singles were the ones that michael and andrew had worked on together without mm. the rest of the band so he said for your next album you will co-write every single song because mm. we need an album of hits god damn it yeah. so then he finally gave them a bit of a break yeah it was a two-year break between albums. I think they toured a bit, but there was definitely this eight-month break where the band didn't do much, but Michael and Andrew were writing Kick, which was released in 1987. Oh. So this is in the telly movie and it's actually a true story. So it's obviously an amazing album. It's yeah. like hit after hit. He, Chris Murphy played it for the head of Atlantic Records, the band's US label. And he plays it and he just like stands there and like waits for him. It's just that classic trope of like a yeah. mu- musical movie where then the guy's like, this is rubbish. He's yeah. like, this is so bad. I hate it. Yeah. I'll give you a million dollars, which is a lot of money in 1987. Yeah. I'll give you a million dollars to go back to the band, scrap it, start again. Like I'll pay yeah. for this time. Like that's how much he hated yeah. it. And Chris was just like, no, like he knew it was a hit. Yeah. And he, I'm not actually sure what happened, but in the telly movie, it's like this – this mammoth tour of colleges. I think they basically played at every college in America. Oh He's my literally God. got like butcher's paper up. Yeah. And the girl from Wentworth, I think. I'm not sure what she's from, but <laughs> she's just like helping him. And they're like ticking off all these like colleges and they play like so many shows everywhere. And there's all these like montage footage of like everyone in America losing their shit. Um, and Kick had four top ten Fuck. singles yeah, in the did. US. Need You Tonight, New Sensation, Devil Inside and Never Tear Us Apart, oh. which he wrote for Michelle. 
Bennett. Did he? Yeah. Imagine oh, you're the person my God. that that song That's the dream. is written about. It is, if you're not into NXS and I'm just here crapping on about them, you need to turn off this podcast. Go and at least get the greatest hits. Yeah. It's amazing. It yeah. opens with Need You Tonight. It's just stunning. They they just have so many good songs. I've it's just, just I had the best banger. week listening to them. <laughs> I feel like that's I, my next week. Not that I that. never. I've always listened to them mm. since I was a kid, but I haven't just like yeah. Like I listened. <laughs> I've always listened to them since I was a kid, but like in the mix of other dad other rock things. That yeah, I like <laughs> oh, they're just so bloody good. Uh, to date, Kick has gone six times platinum in the Fuck. US, seven times platinum in Australia, three times platinum in the UK, and told, sold twenty million copies. Jesus. So they toured a lot to support Kick. Basically, they became the biggest band in the world at the time. It was kind of them and you two yeah, wow. kind of fighting for that. And obviously, with Michael as the front man, he just became this big sex symbol. Everyone loved him. There's this American girl in the doco that's like, he's hip, he's cool, and I want him. <laughs> <laughs> and I think she's also in the telly movie. It's just this iconic little bit of footage. Yeah. I wanted to find it and play it. But I couldn't find the bit in the doco. Yeah, it got too hard. It got really hard. Anyway, 1987. Yeah. At the Countdown Awards. Countdown yeah. being that iconic show. Yeah. Molly Meldrum, was mm-hmm. it? And that was just like, if you're on Countdown, you made it. Yeah. Um, so they used to have an awards show. And Michael made a beeline for a young Neighbours star. And Shut fledgling up. singer, Kylie Minogue. With her recalling that it was nice of him to come and say hi, oh which she God. says in the telly movie. But according to that Mamma Mia article, he was also going around loudly proclaiming on the night that he wanted to have sex with her. I mean, cool. Go for it. <laughs> she was dating Jason Donovan oh, at the time. Absolutely subpar. <laughs> her, her co-star. Subpar. Uh, but two years later, her and Michael did start dating. And in the doco, there's all this amazing footage that they took when they holidayed through oh, Europe, wow. which is where this wine comes into play. So what happened was I was like, okay, well, does Kylie Minogue have a wine? Yeah. I don't even know. I think I typed in Kylie Minogue wine and she does, but it's not out yet. I was like, oh, no, what? it's not She's out releasing yet. a She's wine. She's releasing a rosé. And in the interview, she says, I really got into wine when I was dating Michael Hutchins because he had a house oh. in the south of France. Which was it? Which is where this wine's from. Called Rock. So this is called Chateau de Roquefort. Mm. And his house was Roquefort. Le, Julian taught me how to say it. Le mm. Pin, which is the pines. Oh. So had this amazing like chateau. Wow. Like what a life. Yes. And she like knew nothing. She was all like. She was innocent so Aussie. And sweet and Aussie. Yeah. And he like taught her about good food and good wine. She got really into rosé at this time and has loved it ever since. And he loved wine. So I was like, yes, there's my link. No, she hasn't made it yet. So then I started typing in Roquefort and yeah, there it here was. Here we are with a great wine. Um, so she talks about him so fondly in the doco, which is just like they all forgave him. Mm. She says he helped to grow up. He helped to get a bit of cred because she was very like Yeah, she was like way sweet. Very cute. She says, quote, he was a dark bad boy and I was the pure good girl. Sex, love, food, drugs, music, travel, books, you name it, he wanted to experience it. So she credits him with broadening her world, allowing her to explore these new adventures. But she calls the relationship, quote, probably doomed. (laughs) (laughs) You don't say. (laughs) Yeah. So they broke up in 1991 in Mm. the telemovie dumps her over the phone. Oh, but in the Mamma Mia article, it says she dumped him. So oh. I'm not actually sure Kylie. what went down. Kylie says in the doco about the breakup, 
quote, was it work? Was it the drugs? I don't know. He was like a broken man. Oh, Kylie, Hmm. you cannot fix them. So you can probably tell from all of this, Michael was becoming more famous for his romantic escapades than for the music. Mm -hmm. So after Kylie, he straight away started dating Danish supermodel Helena Christensen. That's rude Which links to when we were talking about Joshua Jackson Mm. being with Diane Kruger and then she dumped him for Norman Reedus. Yes. Well, Helena Christensen has a kid with Norman Reedus oh, as well. Wow, it's all weird. Link. Joshua Jackson can tie to any story. Watch <laughs> us. Six degrees Watch of us Joshua fucking Jackson. From here on out. It used to be Glenelg. <laughs> now it's Joshua Jackson. <laughs> if he releases a wine, we can just drink it in every episode. I know. Because link. Because there'll always be a link. <laughs> so I think he saw it in the Chris Isaac video, Wicked Game. Oh, I, fucking phenomenal. Yes. Like, I, that's probably my favorite music video of all She's time. She's just like gorgeous and mm. he was like hello yes i'd like to fuck mm-hmm. you she's also in the doco and that's the only time she's spoken about him wow she also talks really fondly of those early days with him she was living in paris he was pretty nomadic he had the house in oh yes whatever it's called i'm not saying it again rock or something but he was touring around that album x which was the one after kick yeah and played at london's wembley stadium in a now iconic performance for over seventy thousand fans Fun fact, I've been to Wembley. Have you? Guess who I saw who? play live at Wembley Stadium. Um, in excess with that random man in front of it. No. Oh. Um, what's... Uh, oh, oh, One Direction. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Supported by Five Seconds of Summer. Oh, there you go. Aussie, Aussie boys. Not anything like in excess. No. Remotely. It was, well, it was a very interesting experience mm. because it was just like... Beatlemania vibes, yeah. just many, many yes, people. a lot of screaming. screaming yes. fans. I've seen Five Seconds of Summer, but not One yeah. Direction, and it was the same. Yeah. Just the, the deafening scream of teenagers who were in love. Teenagers and my and friend we Brianna, because who's in love. <laughs> <laughs> I was pretty in love too, but I kind of got more into 1D after I saw them. Yeah. So during the time he was dating Helena, the mm-hmm. band also released the albums Welcome to Wherever You Are and Full Moon Dirty Hearts. Both of which did pretty well, but not to like the kick and X levels. Mm. They were like their biggest albums. Earlier in 1989, Michael had attempted to branch out with a solo project called Max Q. No. Don't do it. Just don't try it. Michael. Michael. So this is bit, I think it's in the doco. He cut his hair off and his hair was iconic. Michael. If if you're like American listener and you just don't know who NXS are, I don't know how you could. Oh, you would. But he had like really long curly hair. Just Google him. It was what he was known for. 80s and then you'll see and then you'll be like, okay. Okay, I get it. I'm ruined for all other men now. So he cut it off and he had like a black turtleneck on and he comes onto the stage at this award show to present mm. an award looking like totally normal. Yeah. Just having this kind of indie moment where he wanted to start this band and his personal manager, Martha Troop, I think it's Troop. Mm-hmm. She tells this story about how Kirk Pengilly was watching the award show with his wife, saw Michael walk out and said, cut up your credit cards. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, he grew his hair back. Max Q never really went anywhere. Good. Michael really resented Chris Murphy, the manager, for mm. not supporting him going solo because Chris was like, no, it's just, I mean, Michael, no. No like one's it never works. Solo. No Don't one do it. wants to hear you solo. Even though you're the front man, everyone loves you the best. It's like, it's that the whole. doesn't mean that you can do it on your own. No, it's the whole package. And apparently it kind of ruined their relationship, which had been good. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he just couldn't forgive him. 
but back to him and Helena. So in 1992, they went out one night in, okay, I can't say this, Copenhagen? Copenhagen. Copenhagen. Never know which one it is. Copenhagen? I mean, I've always said Copenhagen and I don't know. They were in the capital city of Denmark. (laughs) (laughs) They were were in Denmark. (laughs) In Denmark. They were in Europe. They'd been out. They were walking home eating pizza. Michael was really drunk. He refused to move out of the way for a taxi that was trying to get past like this in this narrow street. So the taxi driver got out and punched Michael, causing him to fall backwards and he hit his head on the curb. Oh, God. So in the doco, Helena says, quote, he was unconscious and there was blood coming out of his mouth and ear. I thought he was dead. Fuck. So he was out cold for a while. He got taken to hospital. But according to Helena, he became super aggressive and left hospital straight away. Like basically as soon as he came to, he's like, get me out of here. Yeah. And then he wouldn't see a doctor. She says that he just like lay in bed for a month throwing up every day. What the fuck? Yeah. And she said a very dark, very, sorry, quote, very dark, very angry side came out. What the so, fuck? Yeah, every time that? she was like, we're going to a doctor, he became really aggressive and she was just like, well, okay. okay but also what the fuck is vomiting in bed every yeah, day? Yeah, not great when and it's a head injury. Angry. What is not that? Not good. Guys. Uh, eventually he did agree to go to a specialist who did a scan and found he'd fractured his skull. Well, no shit. And he had nerve have damage. a brain in there I now. Know. Like at this point. I know. And it's like, this is just blood. That's what you have in fine. It's It's just just a large blood mass now. Guys, if you hit your head and you're vomiting. It's just maybe a good idea. It's not a great combo It's not a good – and blood out of your mouth and your ear. Blood out of the ear is just – It's alarming. Like where's that that coming from? screaming (laughs) and like demanding a helicopter to take me to hospital. Even if it's just down the street. Yeah, doesn't matter. I'm not walking. I need the helicopter. (laughs) So he went to the specialist and – they found nerve damage as well. The nerve damage meant that he completely lost his sense of smell and his sense of taste. Oh, no. And for quite a sensual person yeah. as Michael, it was a huge life-changing blow. So there's this neurologist in the doco who I forgot to get the name of. Mm-hmm. And like, it's okay. It had already gone too far and I couldn't go back. No. Because I was on my phone like squinting at it. You're not going back. But anyway, she says, quote... No, not quote. She links it, losing a sense of smell to losing a sense of self. Really? Saying, quote, it gets worse over time. It doesn't get better. It really becomes more of an obvious loss and more of a hole in one's being. Wow. I mean, I kind of get that. Yeah. Like, and I thought about it. I was like, imagine not being able to, like, what would be the point of eating anything? Well, that's, you would just eat You would literally just eat Brussels sprouts. (laughs) Yeah. At all times. Like not even nice, delicious roasted no. ones. Like you just eat them boiled. Yeah. Because like just you would get the sustenance. So you would be very skinny. <laughs> I feel because you could just literally eat like grass. Yeah. And you'd be fine and just be like, okay, whatever. How boring. Uh, yeah, and because he loved wine, he loved yeah. all the finer things. There was kind of no point anymore. Helena can recall him saying to her, "Quote: When I have children, I'll never be able to smell my baby." Oh. Michael. I can tell you they don't smell great I mean, most of the time. Like look, you're doing Rose's all room. the nappies. <laughs> <laughs> you can deal with that just started solids yeah, smell going on. So Tim Farris says in the doco that Michael's personality completely changed after that accident. Mm. He was, quote, he was very moody. He didn't handle alcohol anywhere near like he used to. And he seemed to crave more danger in his life, whether it be through relationships or drugs or anything. 
that was the start of Michael's rage against the world. He can recall Michael during a recording session for that album, Full Moon Dirty Hearts. He smashed a beautiful vintage guitar that belonged to his dear friend, Andrew Farris, just for fun. Just Just, for fun. I'm just going to smash this for shits and giggles. And he was... Like, by all accounts, so lovely and sweet mm. before all of this. So it was a really dramatic change. Kirk Pengilly compared it to bipolar disorder because some days he was like the old happy, mm. lovely Michael and they didn't really know what they were going to get. In the Independent article, writer Robert Milliken says, quote, he had become increasingly prone to bouts of depression. He would burst into tears for the slightest reason. In late 1995, he started taking Prozac, the controversial antidepressant. He took it frequently from then on, sometimes with cocaine, ecstasy, and other recreational drugs. So people close to him have pointed out that he took a lot of Prozac and Mm. it wasn't really regulated by any doctor. Mm. He'd only been to a therapist twice, according to his official website. It didn't seem like anyone was measuring the dosage. He was just kind of popping them himself to keep on an even keel. Oh, God. So Michael and Helena broke up in 1995 and... Like I said, it's the first time she's talked about it publicly in this doco. And all she'll say is, quote, something drastic happened. I was deeply sad, confused and bewildered. But at the same time, it couldn't have continued that way. And around the same time, Michael was in London and he was being interviewed on a show called Big Breakfast Mm -hmm. by a TV presenter named Paula Yates. Paula Yates. So she had interviewed him in the past. Like Mm -hmm. they kind of knew each other. She was a journo for a long time. And she had this interviewing style and there's footage of it that was very physical and flirtatious. And I mm. think they even got like, she would get people into bed with her basically mm. on set, like not yeah. in her actual yeah. bed, but, and she was just very like in your face. Yeah. And yeah, there was this extremely obvious chemistry between them. The only issue was she happened to be married to Bob Geldof. To Bob Geldof. Singer of the band, the Boomtown Rats. And together they had three kids, Fifi, Peaches, and Pixie. So apparently, and this is in both the doco and the telly movie, she'd been into Michael for years, like just Mm. thought he was a babe, and had a picture of him on their fridge. Oh, my God, dead. And it said something, like she'd written something, and then like Bob wrote dickhead or like (laughs) fuckwit or something on there. Yeah. And she just put it there to annoy Bob. So in 1995, Paula left Bob for Michael. Scandalous. Yes. And re- why do I remember this when I was literally yes. nine years old? It was fucking everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. So it was all like new idea, Women's mm. Day. And in the UK, it was even worse. So Michael's manager, Martha Troop, says in the doco that at first the relationship really kind of reinvigorated him because he loved her kids and he loved the family Aww, aspect. That's nice. I think because his family life yeah. kind of sucked. And he at various times had like fallen out with his mom. Like he wasn't really mm. talking to her. His brother and him had a strange relationship. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, another friend called Leanne Lunson said in the doco that breaking out Bob and Paula affected him for that reason because it reminded him of his broken right. family. And he, he hated that he broke up a family for yeah. other kids. Yeah. Leanne says he felt like he could never forgive himself, especially because there was this really messy divorce. Like Bob didn't just take it lying down. It was like, I'm going to get custody. And yeah, it was just like court cases. It was all over the papers. Then the same year they got together, Paula fell pregnant and their daughter, Heavenly Harani, Tiger Lily, was born in July 1996. That's such a fucking good name. I'm sorry, but it's a great name. And so are Pixie and Peaches and Yeah, They just called her Tiger for short. Mm -hmm. And Michael was obsessed with her. Like he was in love with her. 
She was the light of his life. There's so such cute footage. She looked like such a happy little thing. He loved being a little family. But it was tough because he was recording a comeback album, Elegantly Wasted, mm. with NXS. And he had to come back to Australia. Mm. He missed all of the girls a lot. But then when he was in London, it wasn't great either because of that yeah. media attention. attention. Mm. They were constantly hounded by the press. who were, They are the absolute scum of the earth, the British press. Mm-hmm. I mean... There's a lot of press that sucks, but the they British, are just the British ruthless. press are particularly vicious. They are. And in 1996, this big scandal was splashed across the papers because a nanny reported that there were drugs in the, in her house, Paula's house, mm. and then there was a police raid and they allegedly found a small quantity of opium mm. in a Smarties box. Mm. Like one of the... Mm, weird yeah, place to put it, but okay. Under a bed in the couple's house. Mm. Paula faced court over it. Michael wasn't in London at the time. So Michael's sister Tina talked about this period of time to the Guardian. So the UK paps were like peak demon because mm. Princess Diana died in August 97. Yeah, I was going to say this was around the time when they were yeah, like fully relentless. It was like, and they, I mean, she was chased by a paparazzi. So make of that what you will. But they were just at their absolute worst with everyone. Like, yeah. You know, every, they were just everywhere. And Michael would physically lash out at them when they came near the kids. Mm. He was super protective. So Tina told The Guardian, quote, he'd always had such a great relationship with the press. They didn't bother him or they didn't even realise it was him. I'd observed him walking around in Paris, LA, Australia. People would just say, oh, hi, I caught your show the other night. (laughs) And he'd say, thanks, mate, and shake their hand and walk on. But when all that exploded in London, he was absolutely beside himself. I was once told that with the tabloids, they've got to have a good guy and a bad guy. So what role could he take if Bob, known as Saint Bob in the tabloids, was on the other side? Right. Okay, this makes sense. So he had to be the villain. Yeah. And Paula had to be the villain. Yeah. So another friend, Belinda Bruin, says in the doco that, ironically, all the drama in their lives actually led to them taking more drugs. Oh, God. Even though the drama was about the drugs being found, they actually took more drugs. Well, I guess if you're drug dependent in some way then you're obviously going to lean on that when things are stressful, right? Yeah. So they got really into the Prozac, Valium and heroin. So despite all the trauma in his personal life, he was still the front man of In Excess. He still had business to attend to. They had the comeback album out in 97 and they'd planned a big comeback tour in Australia. But in the telly movie, it's like it's not selling well. And yeah. Chris Murphy comes to Tim Farris's house and he said, and this is not the manager anymore. Mm. They got rid of him. And he's like, mate, call it off. It's just He's like, I haven't interfered for like five yeah. years or however long it's been. But he's like, I will now. Like, call it off. It looks bad if it's not selling. And like, Michael seems like a bit of a mess. Mm. And Tim's like, no, no, it's good. We're doing it. So Michael had to come back to Australia to prepare for it. Mm. In the doco, his sister Tina says he really didn't want to be in Australia. He didn't want to be away from Tiger. Yeah. But Paula didn't want to leave the other kids. Yeah, right. So the whole thing was she was trying to take all of the kids, not forever, but for a time, yeah. down to Australia. But Bob was saying no. He was blocking it. Yeah. So she was in court pretty much every day um, fighting with Bob, trying to get them all down here. And it was taking a real toll on him knowing that she was going through that, missing Tiger. He was trying to push through, put on a brave face at rehearsals. But the rest of the band and his friends and family could tell there was a lot weighing on his mind. So on Friday, November 21st, 1997, 
the band had a rehearsal and arranged to meet the next morning to rehearse again, which would be the last time before the tour mm. began. Michael waved goodbye to his bandmates and he met up with his dad, Kel Hutchins, for a drink and dinner. Also Kel? Kel. Got a name. Kel. It's, um, it's Kelland and that's Michael's middle name. Oh. Fun fact. So according to the article in The Independent, Kel, sorry, The Independent article, Kel has said of that night, quote, I held his hand across the table. I said, Mike, is everything okay? I know you're very happy but you seem a little uptight. Mm. And he said, no, dad, I'm fine. Really, I've never felt better. Kel dropped Michael back at the Ritz-Carlton, Sydney, where he mm-hmm. was staying at around 10.30. And then at 11, the actress Kim Wilson, do you remember her from oh like the 90s? Oh, my God, yes. So he briefly dated her, yeah. but I didn't include her because she wasn't like yeah. the big three. Yeah. Uh, and her boyfriend, Andrew Raymond, turned up. Michael asked if they could drink in his room because he wanted to be near the phone in case Paula called with updates about the court case. So the whole time they were drinking, he was just like bitching about Bob Goldoff, basically. He was pretty angry and upset. They were there till about 4.30 in the morning and the three of them were drinking heavily the whole time for about five hours. So they're pretty shit-faced. At 5.30 a.m., he called Bob Goldoff twice. Oh, Bob asked him to call back. (laughs) At 5.38, he spoke to Paula, who said the hearing had been postponed till December 17th, which was super upsetting because he wanted everyone to be down for Christmas. Yeah, right. And so the hearing wasn't starting till 17th. That looked like it wasn't going to happen. So then he said to Paula, I'm going to call Bob up. I'm going to beg him. Yeah. And Paula has described Michael as sounding, quote, desperate. Mm. He then called Bob Geldof again. And started screaming at him down the phone with Bob Geldof describing the conversation as, quote, hectoring, abusive and threatening. Mm. The guest in the room next to Michael's was actually woken up by a man shouting in the early hours of November 22, which fits in with that conversation. He then phoned Martha Troop, his manager, who lives in America. She says in the doco that he was, quote, upset and confused. The kids weren't coming to Australia, but it was more than that. He seemed really confused about where he wanted to be in life. He called Martha again. She had a different number. So he called her on a different number and he left a message because I don't think she used that line or whatever. So that was at 9.50. According to The Independent, she said he sounded really weird in the message, slow and deep. His voice was slow and deep. Martha was so worried when she found that message. She called InXS's tour manager here in Australia to flag that something was up with Michael. In the meantime, at 9.54 a.m., Michael called his first serious girlfriend, Michelle Bennett, who he'd stayed friends with for years. And he kind of always, like when he went through other breakups, he told her about it and she was just like, oh, whatever. (laughs) He was really upset. He was saying it was fucked up. He was supposed to be at rehearsal. And she said, call the guys, tell them what's going on, that you can't make it, like go go to bed, get some sleep. Mm. He asked to see her. He said, I really need to see you. And she said, okay, I'll be there in 30 minutes. Mm. So she says in the doco, he just, quote, he just sounded exhausted and depleted in the most extreme way. She reached his room 524, around 40 minutes after she'd spoken to him. She knocked on the door, no answer. She went back down to reception and called the room, no answer. And then she thought he'd either passed out or had gone to rehearsal. So she left a note at reception and asked them to give it to him. And then she left at 1150 a.m., 
a maid led herself into the room for housekeeping and discovered the body of Michael Hutchins oh. naked and kneeling on the floor in front of the door. Oh, it's so sad. <laughs> I think I'm upset at my own story. Oh, my God. He was 37 years old. So police were immediately called, but horrifically, people close to Michael weren't notified straight away, which I guess is procedure until you can identify the body. Yeah. But then things get leaked, of course. So yeah. Kel Hutchins received a call from a journo. No. Asking for a comment about Michael. And he said about the tour. And actually, actually love that they did this. They just said, no. Oh, God, I'm sorry. I'll call the publicist. Yeah. And hung up. So they didn't actually deliver the news. Yeah. But he knew something was up then. In the telly movie, the guy, the band have brought in a little TV to watch the cricket in rehearsal mm. and they were waiting for Michael and they're trying to tune it in and that's how they see. I Googled frantically. I can't see any like Evidence mention of, of yeah. how they found out. But they were involved in that telly movie, so yeah. Maybe it was a dramatized but, but I don't even know how they all found out yeah. that it happened. So a toxicology report revealed amounts of alcohol, cocaine, codeine, Valium and Prozac in his mm. system. They'd drunk a lot. They're all different types of alcohol yeah. as well. His death was ruled a suicide by hanging. There's more specific details, but I don't like listing um, yeah. suicide methods instructionally. Mm-hmm. Almost straight away, people questioned that because although he was erratic, he'd never shown suicidal tendencies. Yeah. He'd made plans with the band the next day. He loved his daughter more than anything. So mm. people were really shocked. Paula Yates was the most vocal person mm. to throw out the theory that it was an accidental death. And she mm. says that she thinks it occurred during an act of autoerotic asphyxiation. Right. So she was insistent upon it. She even spoke to the coroner, Derek Hand, in detail about her and Michael's sex life, indicating he had been interested in autoerotic asphyxiation in the past. Mm. She was pretty bullish about it. And she says that's because she didn't want Tiger to think he had taken his own life. Yeah. And also, like, I guess even, like, for his sort of legacy. Like, not to say that it's, like, a horrible legacy if you know somebody that took their own life. But, like, it's also, like, a decision that someone would then make. And if he didn't do it. everyone. Yeah. Yeah. So she was trying to, I guess, protect that. So these quotes are from the ABC article. Actually, I think it was a radio show. And this is a quote from her. I told you he's a dangerous boy. He's dangerous, wild. He could have done anything at any time. The one thing he wouldn't have done is just left us. People should think of her, Tiger. Mm. She's who, what's drive, what drives me on this, what makes me talk about it. I want her to have some vision of her father that is true and that he would never have taken a cowardly way out or left her. Because people do do these things. Lots of people do these things. It's no big deal. It went wrong, but it's no big deal what he did. And I just want it to stop being made grubby. Mm. So that's what she, I mean, it's calling a cowardly way out is, I wouldn't say that, I'm quoting her. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, despite this theory, Coroner Derek Hand, Hand handed down, that's hard to say, his findings on February 6, 1998, ruling Michael's cause of death as hanging and saying, it has been suggested that the death resulted from active autoeroticism. However, there's no forensic or other evidence to substantiate this suggestion. I therefore discount that manner of death. On, consider, on consideration of the entirety of the evidence, I am satisfied Hutchins was in a severe depressed state on the morning of November 22nd, 1997. This was due to a number of factors, including the relationship with Paula Yates and the pressure of the ongoing dispute with Sir Robert Geldof. <laughs> Very formal. Yeah. 
combined with the effects of the substances that he had ingested at the time. I'm satisfied the cause of death was hanging. I'm also satisfied there was no other person involved in causing the death. Nothing will be gained by holding a formal inquest. So there was no inquest. That was just the coroner's thing. So it wasn't public and that these quotes were only released in 2014 to the public. Oh. Because there was never like a public investigation into it. So I... And I told Julian's friend yesterday that I was doing this story. And then he, because I always thought that they thought he had been masturbating. Yeah, same. And that people were just like, yep, he was. But the official finding is he wasn't. And then Julian's friend said, yeah, but wasn't, weren't his pants down? But he was completely naked. Mm. So his pants weren't down. They didn't exist on his body. So you couldn't, I mean... Even just from what you just said, like it's, it could really go either way. Yeah. And just thinking about, I mean, I'm just hypothesizing, but just thinking about his state mm. and like he knew that Michelle was coming over. It just doesn't seem like a logical step to, oh, I'm just going to masturbate for a yeah, bit. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, he was erratic. So, well, he was erratic. And that's, but that's the thing also, like his, his state of mind was clearly off regardless yeah. of what happened. So could have gone either way. So in the documentary, they show that scans of Michael's brain after his death showed two large areas of brain damage. Yeah, from the fall. Presumably caused by that accident. So, again, that could, Mm. I mean, it severely changed his personality, according to everyone that knew him. He was also dabbling in, like, Like drugs and alcohol. drugs there. Yeah, and Kim Wilson says they had, like, champagne they had whiskey they had vodka like yeah. insane just every red wine like every and he couldn't taste anything so yeah. he was just whatever works so there's a lot of alcohol but also like i feel the brain damage changed his personality but also he was getting more into drugs anyway and yeah getting a bit wilder as a person as his yeah. fame escalated yes. yeah. so i think the brain damage and the the fame just like created more substance abuse yeah. and, and probably a more affected mental state. Like, yeah. I don't know if it was just the accident. Yeah. I yeah. Yeah. His lifestyle also didn't help. So in an even more bleak postscript to Michael's death on September 17, 2000 on her daughter Pixie's 10th birthday, mm. which I didn't know, Paulie Yates died of a heroin overdose at the age of 41. She was found in bed in her home with daughter, Heavenly Harani Tiger Lily, who was just four at home with her. Aww. She was immediately taken into foster care by Paula's ex-husband, Bob oh, Geldof. I love that. So that, that she could live happy. with her three older sisters. And despite a custody bid from Michael's sister, Tina, which I remember being splashed mm. all over new idea at the time, Bob Geldof legally adopted Tiger in 2007. I always loved that. Yeah, it I is I always nice. thought it was like a really like nice sort of, I don't know, like a, you know, like he he didn't resent this child yes. that was born out of a when scandal his wife from cheated his, on him yeah you know yeah. like he, he he did the right thing yeah yeah i mean people have mixed feelings about bob goldoff but i think either way that's a good thing to do yeah um on another horrible note peaches goldoff oh, also no. died of a heroin overdose at the age of 25 so that, by her own two sons who were just one and two at the time that me so much that was that awful so it's horrible like it's <laughs> i know we're like michael hutchins and yeah. got excited and then it just ends in this just awful note but 
I love that he lives through an excess and I've been mm. listening to it all week and it's almost like he's kept alive through this amazing legacy and they kept going like they had different front men and what was that competition so they they had oh, they had that front man John Stevens who's yeah. like a Aussie kind of pub rock guy and then they did a reality show yes. like search for a rock star uh, it's or a great reality show and then jd fortune was the singer a mistake um i have to say he was a, the singer for a long time still a mistake <laughs> I, I feel like i saw them somewhere i mean for let's start with the fact that his name's jd fortune yeah and we're I already mean, i wonder what his real name is here. like what do you think like jonah feldstein yeah, john john derwin jason Benison. <laughs> Rockstar in excess was what it was called. Yeah, it's a really good show, and yeah, I now I need to find it. On, someone's yeah. got to have that. Like some fucking like hey you has to have that. Surely they have it's to. So good. Yeah, and I remember watching it, and I was like, it was deep in the yeah 2005 like yeah. reality TV hell <laughs> just, for me. Yeah, just like uni days. Yeah. Big and brother. I remember there was like some really fucking good performances, and I'm pretty sure on the judging panel was that man from. The one that dated Carmen Electra. Oh, um, Dave Navarro. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It was Dave Navarro. Like the, Who else? It was else? the best fucking I'm going to find it. It was the best show. I loved that show. I remember there was a girl that did Bohemian Rhapsody, but she like absolutely fucking nailed it. Oh, no. She did Roxanne. Oh, right. And she just smashed it because Roxanne's in such a key that like, yeah. a girl can really. Anyway, oh, I need to find tune. that show and watch every episode and just watch it for an entire weekend. That's my new plan. So it was hosted by Brooke Burke and Dave Navarro. Yeah. And then the panel was the band. The, just the band. The NXS Just band. the whole band. What were the other seasons? Because then, then there was another. Was yeah. it? No, it wasn't Queen, was it? Mm. That then they did it for? No, hang on. This is just Rockstar in excess. Wow, this is a very long article about a very stale <laughs> Rockstar a... Supernova. Maybe that's what it was. That's the second season. Oh, that was for the supergroup featuring um, Tommy Lee. Tommy Lee, that's who I remember being on the panel. Metallica what? bassist Jason Newstead and former Guns N' Roses guitarist Gilby Clark. Okay, I mean, uh, would we call that a supergroup? Would no. we? Because <laughs> anyway, Tommy Lee wasn't great. even the singer of Molly Crue. He just played <laughs> like, the drums. <laughs> I'm just going to question the choice for JD. I'm just going to question the choice yeah. of finding your lead singer out of a reality show for one of the greatest bands that's ever existed. I do think um, Adam Lambert's done a good job in Queen. Ooh, he has some, he has some good pipes. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean those. I just have been very well I received. Have an issue with these when people like, keep going. Reality stars that then join bands. Yes, but he just has good pipes. But it is shit that if your lead singer chooses yeah. not to be in the band or dies, mm-hmm. then you, you can then never can't continue. continue. So I mean, I might be wrong here. But I'm pretty sure Led Zeppelin when their drummer John Bonham, mm-hmm. greatest fucking drummer, he died. They were just like, no, we're done. Like. At their peak. Yeah. They were just like, kind we're, of a vibe, we're not doing though. it anymore. I think they, I mean, it's now not like I've done I... like a f- few things, but yeah. like mm. they didn't just, and that's a drummer, like not just yeah. shit on drummers. I played the drums in high school. It wasn't like Robert Plant died and they were like, yeah. okay, we're going to stop. Yeah. The drum, like, it's like, surely you can find another drummer that's <laughs> but no, like, like they decent. were just like, no, in our souls, we can't. Wow. Like props kind to of them. A, kind of a good choice to be honest, but. 
Because um, then you see what's happened with you two. I mean, what are they doing now? Yeah, exactly. Honestly, like, just stop doing it now. Someone, Coldplay. I think not that Coldplay's even on that level. Someone in the doco was like, you know, maybe Michael wouldn't have wanted to get like fat and old. Like, yeah. You know? Well, so I just maybe can't even imagine. But then I mean, Bob Geldof's old now, and he's still cool. Like, yeah. like these, the you yeah, know, these yeah, like, like crazy Mick Jagger, Robert mm. Plant. Like they're all kind of like yeah. old and yeah, they're still cool. They're not lame. Like daddy, kind of, you know. Yeah. So in excess behind ACDC, the biggest Australian band in history. Amazing. Sold over twenty million albums worldwide. So it's it's quite the legacy. It's and cool. ACDC is still going. Oh. There's a good example of the. Front man dying, and they kept going Who's with someone their awesome. Person now, um, what's his name? Because old mate choked on his yeah. Bon Scott choked on his vomit, did he? Yeah, I mean, but as long Who's as you have that singer? guitar man that jumps around with the little hat on Angus and the shorts, Young. then you're fine. <laughs> oh, there's so many stories of I saw ACDC when it was three dollars in Mona Vale dad. or whatever. Let's just ask dad when he saw them and how much it cost him. Okay. Just, it's always three dollars fifty. It's always three dollars fifty, and it's always an RSL. <laughs> Brian Johnson is the singer now. Who's that guy? Well, he became the singer in 1980, and they've still done wow. heaps. Wow! I like, mean, they've had huge hits since Bon Scott died. But this is the thing: do you think you can replace them at the time mm. with someone unknown, and then it's okay? As opposed to having a whole reality show. Yes. And then you have someone called JD Fortune. That's stupid. <laughs> That's they could have just, like they could have just kept John Stevens. Yes. Who's that? Well, he's the one that did it first. Oh yeah, that's right. He was just another Aussie singer that yeah. they that they got. I mean, I guess but this is the thing as well, okay. Like Michael Hutchins was like Michael Hutchins. Yes. It's like I'm gonna just put it out there and say that the star of ACDC is little jumpy man. Angus Young. Angus yeah. Young. Not Bon Scott, even though Bon Scott was the yelly yeah. voice. The voice, yeah. If you like looked at them and went, who's the star here? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Like That's Michael true. Hutchins. Michael was, Hutchins like, is the, the star. Front. You know, yeah. it's like the front man sometimes is not, like even with Robert Plant, right? Yeah, yeah. It's not like he was, like he was kind of the main mm. person, but then Jimmy Page was the yes. main person. Playing you know? like a double neck guitar. Yeah, and stuff. you know? Yeah. Like sometimes the guitarist is the person. Yeah. No, Who I get that. There's so many examples of that. What's the other? Slash? No, because Axel is uh, also the um, star. That's just full of stars. Do you know what? As a side note, that is so absolutely irrelevant to all of this, but mm. kind of relevant. In mm. a way, are you looking at me like you have more things to tell me? No, that, I have nothing oh, else to tell you. I got nervous that I like started going on a real no, sort of that's mildly the end of drunk rosé segue. Um, I was just in a little tiny shop in Berrimah in New South Wales. Oh, yeah. And I walked up to the counter and then every rose has its thorn started playing. Oh, yes. And I was like, to the, and it just kept playing. And I was like, I was like to the lady, I was like, God, this song is a, such a banger, isn't it? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, it really emotionally affects me, <laughs> even though I'm aware that it's poison and I shouldn't be emotionally affected by anything <laughs> that poison has ever sung. And like, I can even see the bandana and like the terrible eye makeup. And no, yet in my heart, mm. I am emotional about it. Ugh. No, some of the hair metal bands like White Snakes, Here I Go Again. Yep, that's that's a soulful song. Yeah, like some of them, Guns N' Roses had so many soulful um, songs. What's the one? That's okay. November Rain. Oh, oh. <laughs> I'm gonna do a whole mini episode on the the three guitar solos in November Rain and how each of them affects me on a different level. Because it's so Australian, but also oh my fuck god, it. like. Oh. 
I love Guns of, I mean, you know, I love Guns yeah. of Roses, but that like third guitar solo, oh. when I saw them in concert, he walked on top of the piano like oh, he does in the video. It. Slash man. Also their little wedding dress, like a dream. <sighs> yeah. I mean, I could go on about this forever. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> I was so confused by the video when I was a kid. Yeah. Like I couldn't understand that like they were all happy because they got married. Yeah. And then suddenly she was dead. I and still don't My mum was it. like, it's a metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> What's the metaphor for? Their the relationship oh, dying. <laughs> I still don't get it. You had to help me. Thanks, Marshall. Yeah, it was their relationship dying. But I was like, I don't know. And I was always really upset when that guy fell into the cake. Mm. When they were running from the rain. And mm. they also run in such a panic. It's like, yeah, it's raining. It's inconvenient. Oh guys, but why on. are we running like it's acid rain? Our skin's coming off our bones. <laughs> anyway, great video. Great band. Everything great. If you don't listen to in excess or you just kind of casually have i would just highly suggest going to spotify yes the greatest hits the choice the order of the songs is amazing mm-hmm. just when you think oh, okay i've heard them all the next song is like another banger that you didn't even know was in excess or maybe you oh, did and you forgot to me. and you're just like well i want walk to centennial park and walked around it twice and walked home, which is a decent track. Yeah. And I'd listened to the album like three times and I was singing it out loud to Rosa, which was loving it. There's just such good songs. And his voice just hits you in your soul. Yes. He's got a great voice. The lyrics are amazing. Yeah. I didn't know he was into poetry and it makes sense. It totally makes sense. When Never you Tear said Us that. Apart is the most beautiful song mm-hmm. in the history of mankind. Fight me if you don't agree. Um, I have a few thoughts but it is <laughs> definitely top tier so good i remember the nrma ad with by my side oh uh, like yeah amazing anyway that's it oh that's it <laughs> on that note <laughs> <laughs> i fucked that <laughs> hooroo, hooroo. <laughs>